like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we have the person that Studs Terkel labeled as America's Troubadour, Larry Long. I first became aware of and impressed by Larry's music back in the late 1980s, and he's only multiplied the magic since then. I'd never had him on my show before, but felt like I needed to get to know him before I see him on the stage at the Friends General Conference gathering this July. More on that later. Larry shares his musical gifts in many ways, including by drawing on diverse musical styles as he performs with the American Roots Review, or with organizations like Elder's Wisdom Children's Song. But let's not dawdle, let's get Larry Long on his cell phone, not at his home in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, but wandering the roads of southwest Wisconsin. Larry, it's wonderful to have you here today for Song of the Soul. It's great to be on. And I'm really looking forward to your engagement at the Friends General Conference gathering the beginning of July. I think it's July 6th, particularly. Could you talk right away about the folks who are going to be appearing on stage with you for Larry Long and American Roots Review? Yeah, I've been doing American Roots Review for the last four or five years. And American Roots Review is really, it involves a variety of people and features different artists at different times. And it's really a way to celebrate the best of intentions and some of the core values of what it is to be from the United States of America. And as a multicultural, multinational nation, you know, we try to do that with an American Roots Review. So we have Wabanukwe Doreen Day, who's Anishinaabe Ojibwe Medeawan. She's a traditional singer from the Ojibwe Nation, and she practices you know, traditional spirituality from her people with a bit of a matriarchal lineage to it, with an emphasis on protecting the water. And then uh, we have Tiny Hughes, who is just a premier vocalist. She's not only a gospel singer, but a vitamin blues artist. And she's featured on my last album, actually, Don't Stand Still. Her and I do many duets together. And then we're really gifted to have Billy Steele, who's with the renowned Steele family out of Gary, Indiana, originally. And he's actually a music minister at a church in Minneapolis, but he also plays piano for the group Sounds of Blackness. So it's going to be quite a musical journey we'll be taking on July 6th. Is this a group of people you just get together with and jam with periodically, or how does this come together, all of this diverse kinds of music? I've been doing this work for... I mean, I'll be 65 in November, and I've been writing songs and traveling the world for over 40 years. And I built a lot of really positive relationships with people as both an educator, organizer, and singer. 
So these are family members and friends of mine, and it's not a jam session at all. It's actually we rehearse and prepare for it. It's kind of a mixture between a sort of a cabaret in a sense, and then also sharing songs together. Kind of similar to, you know, what Peter, Paul, and Mary did when Mary was around, and the Weavers, well, like any assortment of people, it's really to shine a light on each other and to pitch in and help out when you can. What I was actually asking, Larry, is how you originally connected with them. Sometimes there's like folk festivals or whatever, and people will get together and kind of jam and get to know one another's music. Or maybe you'll just hear them on stage and say, I'd like to connect with you. Can we get together and practice? Well, in, in terms of Wabanu Quay, Dream Day, I've been very active in the American Indian movement for over 30 years. And back in the 1980s, I had organized a thing called the Mississippi River Revival which spearheaded river cleanups throughout Minnesota and the Midwest. And during that time, I connected really strongly with the women from the First Nation community who were involved in trying to save the water. And that's how I met Wabanukwe during day over 30-some years ago. We've crossed paths at many functions, and at different times we've sung together at events, events to honor the First Nation indigenous people. In terms of Tanya Hughes, I actually met her through a man named J.D. Steele, which is Billy Steele's brother. And I was contracted by the Southern Poverty Law Center to produce a book for teaching tolerance, specifically a book of songs and narratives. I met J.D. Steele actually back in 1982-83 with the Mississippi River Revival because I would be bringing in people to perform at festivals along the river after we did big river cleanups. And Billy Steele at the time was the choir director of the Pilgrim Baptist Church which is the oldest black church in the Midwest. It got started by those who came up the Mississippi River on the Underground Railroad and to get a segregation of the South into the North. And so J.B. Steele brought his whole choir down at one festival, and we became really dear friends ever since. And the Steeles, of which J.B. is the oldest child and Billy's the youngest, and then there's Javita and Gerald and his two sisters. So I met Billy Steele through brother J.B. Steele, and I also contracted him to help me produce songs with the Southern Poverty Law Center. So that's how we all met. We really met out of common concern for the earth, for people, for diversity, community. And we happen to use all of us music as a tool to try to make the world better. I think we've got people salivating already. So why don't we start out with one of your songs, give them actual taste treat. How do you want to start out? You know, I think it may be nice in terms of what we just talked about, in terms of the Pilgrim Baptist Church and the Mississippi River as a bit of an underground railroad, specifically for African-Americans coming north. I do a program in schools, which is Elder's Wisdom Children's Song. And when I was working in a school in Minneapolis, a woman came in named Lillian Jackson, who lived to be 103 years of age. And she gave her life story to children and I. And then we put her first-person narrative into a song. And that song is Don't Stand Still. And when you play the song, it's a duet between... Tanya and I, this will be a song that we will be definitely singing at the Quaker Gathering in July called Don't Stand Still to an honor of Miss Lillian Jackson. Born in Memphis, Tennessee, I'm the oldest of the family. Keep on moving, don't stand still. Sometimes you have to take Oh, but when it comes to freedom 
Christmas misery Keep on moving, don't stand still When the bridge begins to shake In a riot over race Keep on moving, don't stand still Oh, sometimes you have to give oh, yeah. Sometimes you have to take uh-huh. When it comes to freedom, you chemistry between Larry Long and Tanya Hughes. Larry Long and A Classroom Full of People helped create that song. It definitely has that civil rights feel to it. Yeah, it's actually the melody to Eyes on the Prize. The verses has that melody, so I borrowed it from the civil rights movement. And it does have that flavor of the civil rights movement in the lyrics as well, which seems appropriate when talking about a person like Lillian Jackson, whose life spans so much of the post-Civil War experience of African Americans. There's such a mixed bag there, depending on your perspective about the progress or lack of it, that could look like a burden or maybe like a joy. How much progress do you see us as having made? You know, progress is done in incremental, small ways. Pete Seeger was a very dear friend of mine for close to 35, 40 years. And Pete Seeger made a statement that I think the world would be saved by a million small things. And one of those million small things is 
writing songs and poetry on it, the good intentions of others, and picking up trash off the river. And Pete Seeger and I traveled together on several occasions, and I was with him out in California at a Children's Music Network conference, and his wife Toshi had called me and told me she wanted me to travel with Pete just to keep an eye on him, because he was getting older. I met Pete through a farmer labor governor in Minnesota, Elmer Benson, and Governor Benson was the governor after Floyd B. Olson during the Great Depression. When the lumberjacks went on strike, Governor Benson called out the National Guard on the company, and the lumberjacks won that strike. And I had met Elmer Benson while singing for the American Agriculture Movement for farmers who were on strike trying to get parity. And when I started to sing in the strike office, he told me that I reminded him of Peter Moody Guthrie. And then he told me that Pete and Woody used to come through Minnesota and sing for striking miners and lumberjacks. And unbeknownst to me, he called Pete Seeger up on the phone, told him about me. And then Pete Seeger gave me a call and invited me to his house. I got to know him, got to know his wife, Toshi. Then weaving back to that part of the story about being in California with Pete, I had a chance to interview him. And from that interview, I broke it down into a storyline. And then I sang the song, Well May the World Go which is released on Smithsonian Folkway Records. And I think this song and Pete's words will speak to it. This is Larry Long with Pete Seeger. Well may the world go. Pete Seeger, born May 3rd, 1919, and it is now October 24th, I think, 1996. And we are sitting at the table in uh, 526 Texas Street, San Francisco, uh, Larry Long and me. father said the truth is a rabbit in a bramble patch and all you can do is circle around it and point and say it's somewhere in there you can't put your hand on it and touch it <laughs> you can't put your hand on that furry quivering body all you can do is say it's somewhere in there <laughs> tell you right now, I was greatly influenced by my father. I was five years old. They gave me a dime and said, go next door and buy something that cost a nickel. But when I was at the store, uh, I meet a neighbor boy. I said, oh, Pete, you got a nickel left over. Why don't we buy a piece of candy? We'll share it. I said, well, I'm supposed to bring it back. Oh, tell him it cost 10 cents. Uh, well, at age five, I didn't know any better. We bought the candy and shared it, and when I got back, said it cost 10 cents. My father got down on his knees in front of me <laughs> and, and held both my hands. He said, Peter, you know it didn't cost 10 cents. Don't you know you never have to lie to us? You never have. We love you. Yeah, I bought a piece of candy. <laughs> he says, you could have bought the candy. That would have been all right. But you never have to lie to us. And it was the most important lesson I guess I ever got in my life. Well, may the skiers turn, swimmers churn, lovers burn. Peace may the generals learn when I'm far away. Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well, may the world go when I'm far away. The draftee in the days of the Vietnam War wrote me how he was at bayonet practice. Sergeant Hollers follows the spirit of the bayonet, and we are all supposed to shout back to kill, to 
kill. The sergeant now shouts, what does that make you? We are all supposed to shout, a killer, a killer. And I said, what a thing to do to take ordinary, decent young men and make them shout that. Well, may the fiddle sound, the banjo play the old hoe down. Dancers swinging round and round when I'm far away. Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well, may the world go when I'm far away. Try and do a good job with the people you know near you. It's nice to travel, but, and I suppose while you're young, is the best time to travel. You learn by traveling. The world can be your university, as Max and Gorky once said. But in the long run, find a part of the world that you really like and you can stick to. Might be the same town you were raised in, but it might be another place. Might be a valley, might be a desert, might be a swamp. But find some area that you really like enough so you're going to stick there the rest of your life. Fresh may the breezes blow, clear may the streams flow, blue above, green below, when I'm far away. Well may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well may the world go, when I'm far away. I think the world's going to be saved by people who fight for their homes. This is the lesson of the American Revolution. That's what beat King George. So all the farmers shooting out from behind the stone walls. Well, may the skiers turn, swimmers churn, lovers burn. Peace may the generals learn when I'm far away. Everywhere I go, I tell this. When I meet somebody who says there's really no hope, you know, it's, things are going to get from worse to worse, and this is the last century of the human race. I tell them, did you expect to see our great Watergate president leave office the way he did? And they say, no, I guess I didn't. I said, did you expect the Pentagon to have to leave Vietnam the way it did? No, I didn't. I said, did you expect uh, to see the Berlin Wall come down so peacefully the way it did? They said, no, I really didn't expect that. Then I said, did you expect to see Mandela head of South Africa? <laughs> no, no, I really didn't expect that. I thought he'd rot in jail forever the rest of his life. Well, I said, if you couldn't predict those things, don't be confident that you can predict there's no hope. Well, may the fiddle sound, the banjo play the old hoe down. Dancers swinging round and round when I'm far away. Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well, may the world go when I'm far away. Fresh may the breezes blow, clear may the streams flow. Blue above, green below, when I'm far away. Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well, may the world go when I'm far away. Music there performed by Larry Long. The words, obviously, Pete Seeger speaking his own words. And we were just talking earlier, Larry, about the sense of optimism for the world. Is it getting better? 
when Pete says in that interview, who would have expected a corrupt president to leave after Watergate to resign and the Berlin Wall to fall and what happened with Nelson Mandela in South Africa? People can be very absorbed in things that are going wrong, and there are a lot of them to pay attention to. But there's also some really wonderful inspirational stuff. So it's it's really wonderful that you captured that with Pete and, of course, one of his songs. Now, you have continuing connections with Pete, even though he's passed from this world. You're going to be up at the Big Top Chautauqua, aren't you, pretty soon? Uh, end of July. You're yeah, going to get Pete Seeger uh, had invited me to sing in Madison Square Garden for his 90th birthday. And I had a chance to sing with Joan Baez and many others, you know, Bernice Reagan, Ramo Jack Elliott. Bruce Springsteen, Richie Havens, a lot of people. But when Pete passed away, four years later, at the age of 94, I felt called upon to do a celebration for Pete's 95th birthday in Minnesota at the Fitzgerald Theater. I brought together over 60 people to honor Pete, and I went through his writings and put together a script and songs and so forth. And it was quite successful. We ended up raising about six, $7,000 for the Freedom School a small freedom school in, in Minnesota. And Pete Seeger was very active in the civil rights movement and also in setting up the freedom schools in the South in order to increase voter registration and literacy. Anyway, I decided that I wanted to bring the script back. And so I'm going to be doing that show at the Big Top Chautauqua on the 24th of July. And the great storyteller and writer Kevin Kling will be reading the narratives of Pete and then Prudence Johnson, Dan Chenard, and I will be singing many of Pete's songs, plus the Blue Canvas Orchestra of the Big Top Chautauqua. They have about six, seven singers, so we're going to have like a whole choir and we have a six-piece band. Plus, at the Fitzgerald, this friend of ours, Alan Freckman, and I put together photographs and images of Pete Seeger through his many years of work. So it'll be a multimedia show, too. It's going to be a big deal. Hopefully, if this goes well, I'm going to try to take it on the road because it seems like the words and the vision of Pete needs to be heard again, especially in, during this election year when people tend to get kind of fear-based and cynical and uh, cynicism leads to apathy. And what we really need now is activism. Absolutely. That's one of the taglines. Sometimes people refer to you as America's troubadour, but you're also singer, songwriter, activist. I don't feel like there's much of your music that is not activist. Well, thank you. And that's the best. I first got to know you by your 1985 recording, which has a lot with respect to Native Americans. You already referred to the American Indian movement and so on. We're going to get to some more music right away. But first, I want to remind our listeners that you're tuned in listening to Song of the Soul. My guest today is Larry Long. All of this appears on the net at northernspiritradio.org. You find 11 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find links to our guests. You'll find a place to post comments. And we love two-way communication. By posting your comment, you're doing your part. There's also a place to make donations. That's how this full-time work is supported. So click donate when you come. Even more so, I'd love it if you would support your local community radio station, providing a slice of music and news that you get nowhere else. They're so vital in the kind of activism that Larry Long does. So start out by supporting your local community radio station in the Twin Cities, where Larry Long's nearby. It's KFAI in the Twin Cities. Fresh Air Radio and also KMOJ and KBEM. And everybody knows about Minnesota Public Radio, but um, it's those smaller stations that we really need to pitch in the money for, you know. 
small is good. Small is beautiful. And it's not a small number of recordings you're out there. I found you on at least 11 recordings, but you've been doing this, as you said, for 40 years or so. Why don't you share another sample of your wonderful music, Larry? Well, thank you. You know, everything goes back to one's family, does it not? And then family is tied into community. And when families take care of each other, there's a healthy community in which we live. And I picked up some of those core values from my mother and my father, which I would say is probably generally true for all your listeners, too, and for yourself, that you know, our family is, is what we grow out of and what we learn from. Anyway, my mother was an extraordinary human being, and she passed away in 2005. And my father died when I was 13, and so I watched my mother grow from a traditional housewife into a working woman, and I saw those changes when I was an adolescent. Anyway, my mom, when she got ill and went into hospice, I was able to be with her, and I wrote her this love song, and I was able to sing it to her while she was taking that journey. In some ways, my mom was a bit like a sparrow and not an eagle. There's an old gospel song, his eyes are on the sparrow, so they must be watching me. And in some ways, the sparrow, I guess, kind of represents mankind, all of us, all of us are kind of uh, in a small way trying to do our part. And my mom did that in a small way, but had a big impact. And so anyway, this is a song in my new record, too. I was able to sing it to my mom uh, as she was passing. And it's important to note that that after my mother passed and I was with her in the room, sparrows gathered at the window. So I, I kind of took that as a, as a prophetic sign. Mother Song by Larry Long. On the day that I was born, on the day I'm with you now, through these times that seem Forlorn Standing on Ancestral Ground You were there When I first Spoke You were there When I first Stood You are there To give me Hope You are there in all that's good If I were to save the world Who on earth would save me? If not for you, then who am I? If not for you, what would life mean? You're the breath Inside the song You're the note That lends an ear You're the prayer That gives me call You free this heart From fear Now here I am The wheel has turned holding you in my arms now here I am the candle burns listening to you gently call 
Whenever I in need of friend, you are there to help me through. With a love that never ends. Now here I am. I'm here for you. With a love that never ends. Now here I am. I'm here for you. That's from Larry Long's most recent release, Don't Stand Still. That was Mother's Song. And as you said, Sparrow's gathering at the window right as she's passing. And right as I'm talking to you, Larry, I have a picture window right at my side here. And there's hummingbirds coming up to the window and looking in <laughs> as we're talking. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm talking to you right now in Wisconsin. My wife and I have a small farm in the Driftless area by Gaze Mills, Wisconsin. And I'm actually talking on a phone at a gas station now in Seneca. But down in our farm in the valley, we have a, a trout stream called Copper Creek. And my wife and I just put up all the bird feeders a few days ago. And we, in fact, just put up our hummingbird feeder. And this morning, that's all we did while drinking coffee is watch the hummingbird come. And there was a late frost here, so a lot of the blossoms got lost. And so I think those hummingbirds are kind of hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been spending my time memorizing lyrics and memorizing names of all the birds I'm seeing down here. <laughs> Rose-breasted grosbeaks, um, red-bellied woodpeckers, <laughs> <laughs> catbirds, nuthatch. So yesterday I was looking at an egret. We have a turtle pond down the valley, and I've been throwing logs out for the turtles to have a place to bathe in the sun. And yesterday this great egret flew in, and I watched him or her for an hour, like a Tibetan Buddhist monk, gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> Standing on the shoreline and then uh, going after its food. <laughs> Some tadpoles, I presume. Well, speaking of your mother's influence, you say you get values from her. I was raised Catholic. And by the way, when my dad was on his deathbed, I wrote a song for him that my wife and I sang for him. It was one of his last few conscious moments as we're singing to him. Well, so you and I have that experience in common. I mean, is it not a place to measure time from? Yeah. It's a moment when a door is opening and, and there's new thresholds to be crossed. And yeah, to remember both what's on one side of the door and preparing for the next side. Well, I need to tell you a story based upon what you just said. And it's a powerful story. Another dear friend of, of my wife and I, her name is Lisa Bellinger. And she too is a Medeo Anishinaabe Ojibwe woman. And when I was down in hospice care with my mom, and that was in Des Moines, Iowa, where my mom was born and where I was born too, Lisa called me up out of the blue and said, I don't know why, Larry, but I felt I need to call you. And I told her, well, I'm, I'm at the bedside of my mom and she, she's going to pass soon. 
And she goes, I need to tell you the story. She goes, you know, from the way that we look at the world in the best of circumstances, when a child and a baby is born, the people gather around during the birthing process and welcome this new life into the community. And they tell the newborn baby that we love you and we want you and we're so, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're with us. And then Lisa said, your mother now too is beginning to take that journey to the other side. And, and on the other side are all the grandfathers and grandmothers who are welcoming your mother into a new life. And they're calling out on her now, saying to her, we love you, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are now coming to join us. Wow, what a blessed message to get at a blessed moment. You know, I I know you have influences in your life. Native American clearly stands out. You sing along with gospel-type singers, and I wonder what kind of religious or spiritual influence you got from your mother. You know, my grand folks, my mom's side, we have some Scottish roots and Southern Baptist people. My grandfather was at a fish market in Des Moines, Iowa. He worked in the coal mines when he was in Missouri. In sixth grade, he went into the coal mines and worked, quit school. And my grandmother, Virgie, came off of the farms. And then my granddad became a fish peddler, met his wife, my grandmother, Virgie, when she was working at an egg processing plant. And so we were raised in the Grace Baptist Church, where they, unlike the Catholic tradition, of which you get sprinkled when you're born, I was raised that a person must be old enough to make a mature commitment to Christ before baptism. So I think I was eight. <laughs> and, and Pastor Van dunked me in a huge bathtub that was seen above the pulpit in the sanctuary of the church. And that's how I was raised. You know, hardworking people. My family was essentially, you know, conservative, Republican, evangelical. Just like you, you mean? In some ways, in some in some ways, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean, I I don't mean from a fundamentalist way of responding to that, but I would say that one thing I really gained from the Southern Baptist community is those great old hymns, those songs that were like you know, closer walk with the eyes on the sparrow, old rugged cross, and the way that people just sang out. You know, nobody had to feel like they had to harmonize. Everybody just sang out the melody, whatever they thought it was. And there was, it's real, you know, real blue collar, working class people. And a lot of the people in that Baptist church were a lot like my grandfather. They didn't even, many didn't have a high school education. And my father quit school in the seventh grade. And then he got his GED in World War II in the Navy. And then he became a coffee salesman for Hills Brothers Coffee and got transferred to Minnesota. And then we moved into a Jewish neighborhood. And then all my friends were Jewish. And so I went from a Southern Baptist into cultural Jew. I mean, I was, a lot of people still think I'm Jewish. I went to all the bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and and the Jewish uh, community really liberated me because it moved from fundamentalism of Christianity into discovering Lenny Bruce and Allen Ginsberg and Dylan, Leonard Cohn, you know, a lot of the wealth of the Jewish tradition, which had a big influence. So I'm, I'm sort of a weird mix of all of that. And then when I had children in my 30s, one block from our home was a Quaker school, a friend school. And so our children went to the friend school in Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's also important to note that back in college, my philosophy instructor, Dr. John Phillips, was a Quaker. And he was a peace activist and a conscious objector in World War II. So when I went to college in the Vietnam War, 
the Quaker community helped me get a CO status, and I was very active then in the nonviolent you know, activist work during the Vietnam era. Were you in college at St. Cloud? I was, yeah. I thought so, because I interviewed Jack Phillips for Spirit in Action many years ago, and I thought that's where he'd taught. Well, Dr. Jack Phillips, he was a mentor of mine, and um, Pete Seeger, Jack Phillips, they're all on equal level in my heart. They're just strong, powerful, you know, kind of male role models for me. After Jack retired, I got a phone call. This would have been probably about six years ago from Jack saying, I talked to my wife, Mary, and I asked her, what does she want for Christmas? And she said, I want Larry Long to put my poem, Heaven, to music. <laughs> and I was really busy, and I, but I couldn't tell Jack no, so I did. I'll be singing it on July 6th. Oh, wonderful. And I also sang it at her memorial. It's a great lyricism by her, too. Well, we better continue on with your music. We've got a couple more songs I think we want to get in before we're done. So what do you want to share next, Larry? Grandma's Penny Sale. And that's from the first album that I heard by you, Run for Freedom, Sweet Thunder. The song Michael particularly stays in my mind from that. But the chorus of Grandma's Penny Sale has been in my consciousness for 30 years or so. But this is about your grandma from down in Des Moines. Yeah, actually, it's a mix of like multiple you know, memories and places and farms that I've been to. So it's not specifically a singular grandmother or my grandmother. It's really about a farm that I went to in Iowa from my Aunt Betty. Her husband, Dick, grew up on this little farm in Iowa and we used to go out there. And it left a really deep impression on me. It was, um, and then also the, the last verse to the song is about, refers to the penny sales. And back in the Great Depression, when farmers got foreclosed on through the farm holiday movement, farmers organized and would only bid a penny on their neighbor's farm. And then they would buy the farm back. <laughs> so it was called a penny auction. And they would do it because it was all sorts of stories I heard. I was very active in a farm movement in the 1980s. You know, I drove a tractor to Washington, D.C. I farmers fighting high voltage power lines. That's where I became friends with Professor Paul Wellstone, who then became a senator. And there was an organization called Minnesota Co-Act that in the 80s, when farmers were getting foreclosed on, that there was a penny sale, sale reenactment in the southwestern Minnesota. And I read about it in the paper. And after I read that, boom, I wrote this song. And I kind of brought all these storylines together. Called Grandma's Penny Sale by Larry Long. Grandma was born and raised on a farm in Iowa. When I was young, she would pray for those who worked the soil. Oldest one of seven kids helped her ma raise each of them, shucking corn and slapping pigs. Chickens in the yard Fetching water from the well In two five-gallon pails Carving out a well-worn trail To the kitchen door Give a prayer tonight For the farmer Give a word of thanks For the lady Days of drought, sleet, and hail 
Grandma would often tell me about the penny sale that saved the family farm. Friends and neighbors gathered round, buyers who came from town, and peacefully they stripped them down, naked in the barn. Upon a bale of hay they sat, nothing on but their hats. I can still hear my grandma laugh, speaking of those times. Give a prayer to. By the auction man, taking bids on her land. Grandma looked down at her hands, drier than the soil. A penny here, a nickel there. Celebration filled the air. Grandma raised her eyes in prayer, thankful for that day. When the auctioneer was done, the country folk they had won without spilling any blood. They saved the family farm. Give a prayer tonight for the farmer. Give a word of thanks for their labor. And yesterday. About a family farmer who was told that he might lose the title to his land, but just like this story told, neighbors came to his home and stopped it from being sold with a penny sale. Give a prayer tonight for the farmer. Of grandma circled round, filled me with that peaceful sound of her voice again. Give a prayer tonight for the farmer. Give a word of thanks for the labor. Give a prayer tonight. There are so many wonderful songs on Larry Long's recording, Run for Freedom, Sweet Thunder. That one is from there. Grandma's Penny Sale. And the chorus just haunts my soul to give a prayer tonight for the farmer. So beautiful. The thought of neighbors and of communities banding together to help one another in that way 
I'm afraid we've lost a lot of it as we've given things over to the corporations and to being so attentive to our possessions and less to our neighbors. It's been intentional. You know, it's been an economic takeover. Uh, That's one reason why Bernie Sanders has been so beloved, especially by the millennials and other folks, is he's he's really addressed that economic disparity. And I think that people just got to start watching less Fox News and CNN and begin to just be out there, you know, with their neighbors. And also just little small things. I mean, things that happen, the generosity of people. I could go forever and a day and talk about things that we see daily in terms of incredible human kindness, generosity of people, and how other people still help each other make it through the day. And I think that's really the role of the folk singer and the role of the artist and probably the role of what you're doing on radio is to shine a light on those things that we're doing right. Because it's through the things that we do right that gives us power to maybe tackle these larger issues in a bigger way. Yeah, that's why I do the work of Northern Spirit Radio. That's why community radio stations are so crucial to us having the sense of community and working together and finding what's good in our community. It's crucial. You know, and I'm just betting that you're talking about this in part because I know which song you're going to end with. (laughs) I have a new record that's going to be coming out called Walking Like Rain. And my cousin, Melvin James, who was a charting artist, you know, years ago and a rock and roll musician, he heard something in my music that I hadn't really heard myself. I was very close to his father, Uncle Mel. And my Uncle Mel, his full name was Melvin Beach. Then Melvin Beach had a son and he named him Melvin. And then my cousin Melvin had a son and he named his son Melvin. So it's (laughs) Melvin, Melvin, and Melvin. (laughs) But my cousin Mel, now my Uncle Mel, became a kind of a rock star for a year. He called himself Melvin James. James is his middle name. And so anyway, Melvin James worked in a studio in Otho, Iowa, on a farm where even Brian Wilson recorded the Beach Boys. So I drove down to Otho, Iowa and plowed through a bunch of my tunes. And we started to do that back in the 1990s up to the present day. And I recorded a bunch of songs that I'd never recorded before, but there were a couple of songs that I'd written many years ago that I re-recorded with Melvin James. And this is one of them, which is Living in a Rich Man's World. And we just created a music video from it. But I wrote Living in a Rich Man's World back in the 1970s. And regretfully, the song holds even truer today than it was when I wrote it. So it's called Living in a Rich Man's World. It's a new recording of it. And it's going to be released November 11th this year, which is Veterans Day, Armistice Day. And it'll be at the Cedar Cultural Center. I'll be performing this with Melvin James. And it's going to kind of sound a bit like how you hear it now. Get ready for some blazing guitar here. Living in a Rich Man's World. I was raised to believe My mother told me, son, it's good To practice humility Never let moments compete Everybody wants me to play the game Lord knows I'm going crazy now I'm looking for a change Living in a rich man's world Living in a rich man's world In my hand With the headlines ring We got trouble across this land 
guitar of Melvin James and that voice you'll recognize also as Larry Long. It's going to be released by November 2016. You can pick that up. That's when the release will be happening. But it's important to note that the YouTube music video is going to be released in a week and it's going to be on Spotify. It's important for people to link to it because the images throughout the music video are images of my travels throughout my life. And also there's a reference to dump Trump inside of it. (laughs) And I want people to spread this music video far and wide to help build a momentum to make sure that that man does not become our president. But you have to be careful, Larry, because you're in Wisconsin right now, and perhaps our governor is going to come, and he might be a friend to Donald Trump. So be careful. You, if you, Once you scoot back over to Minnesota, I think you're safer. <laughs> There's a reason why the economy in Minnesota is flourishing compared to what's happened to the economy within Wisconsin. I thought exactly. Because we used to have a Republican governor named Palenti who was like Walker. And our economy plummeted under Palenti. And we, then we were wise enough to elect a good Democratic governor, Governor Dayton. And now we're booming. And the reason we're booming is we pay a little more taxes. And the money that we're generating 
is going back into public education, into highways, and into helping our people. And that's where I'm baffled, is how can working people not realize this? And also, no matter how one feels about our President Obama, one thing I do know is our economy is better for it. There's a lot of places you can track down Larry Long. One of them is by his website, LarryLong.org. I think you can spell all those words, but if not, come via the link from NordenSpiritRadio.org. There's good opportunities coming up to see him on stage. He'll be in St. Joseph, Minnesota, performing for the Friends General Conference gathering on the 6th of July. He's going to be joined there by Tanya Hughes, Billy Steele, and Wabanukwe Doreen Day. And he's at the Big Top Chautauqua the end of July, singing with some other great folks, Pete Seeger's music. And there's many great opportunities, 11 recordings you can find him on. There's a good reason that Larry Long was called by Studs Terkel, America's Troubadour. He's definitely continuing a wonderful tradition of music for the people. Thanks so much for doing that music, Larry. And thanks for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Thank you. Because we've come to the end of our broadcast time, you'll have to come to the northernspiritradio.org website to hear some really great bonus excerpts that we had to cut out of Larry's interview. Things like Larry's powerful experiences with Native American spirituality, or his take on the Psalms, or the story of his father and the Jewel of Iowa. To find more info on Larry, including his tour schedule, go to larrylong.org, and we'll have him on Spirit in Action in the not-too-distant future. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on this program, and we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. So